0: The Jews believed that their redemption could be paid through the keeping of the law, that they could pay the price of it. The Greeks believed that their redemption could be paid by the wisdom that they obtained in life, that they could, through their quest for wisdom, pay the required amounts. Yet only Jesus is able to pay the price required for our redemption because it didn't come through wisdom, it didn't come through the keeping of the law, but it came through the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
1: Now, here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: So today we're going to look at, and I don't want you to get upset with me, I'm just using the words of Scripture here. I titled this, Foolishness or Wisdom. And he applies the word foolishness to not only mankind, but he uses that word, as we'll see, in connection to God. So don't get mad at me when I talk about the foolishness of God. I'll try to explain it and Paul's intent for that as we go through the study. So I asked foolishness or wisdom. And today we're going to look at verses 18 through 31, and we're going to see the power of God verses 18 through 21, the foolishness of God, verses 22 through 25, and the choice of God, verses 26 through 31. But the power and the wisdom of God in verses 24 and 25, to those who are called, to the believers, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, And the weakness of God is stronger than men. To those who are called, it means that invitation or to be appointed, appointed to salvation, whether Jew or Greek, Christ is God's power. It's that Greek word for Deutimus, but he's also God's wisdom, Sophia. uh, It means to be wise. And this has become... The foolishness of God, which is wiser than men, the weakness of God, it's stronger than men. See the wordplay that Paul is doing. He talks about the foolishness of mankind. He talks about the wisdom of mankind and, and he takes and switches them up. He applies them to God. But remember that God is all wisdom. So even his smallest part of his knowledge to God, it might seem like foolishness. It's the simplest thing to do. You know how that is in growing up, learning, uh, learning how to maybe do a trade, learning how to even tie your shoe. At one point, it's so difficult, and then you get it, and then you have it, and it's usually with you for the rest of your life, until you get really old, and everything kind of reverses on you, and you can't do those things anymore, but they become child's play to you. So maybe we look at the foolishness, the folly of God as what we as adults consider child's play to us. Things that really don't, you know, we may play with our children, grandchildren, but they really don't interest us. Uh, They're not that difficult. It's pretty easy. But to us, they're simplicity, and the reason we do it is because they're our kids, our children. So looking at it from God's perspective, he switches up all these things, the power of God, the power of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans 1 16, Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jews first, but also to the Greek. Paul knew that the gospel is the power of God, the salvation to those who Who believe in Jesus Christ the gospel is the power of God and when we the church attempt to take away from the message of the cross from the gospel of Jesus Christ then we also strip away the power that God has given us to speak truth to this world that we live in by saying to the Jew first Paul acknowledged that salvation is of the Jews in that Christ came as the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. But by saying also for the Greeks, he acknowledges that salvation is to anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord, any race of any people in this world. The wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 6 through 8, Paul spoke about wisdom. We'll look at this again next week, but I want to mention it this week. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. God has given us glimpses of his wisdom in the Old Testament, 330 Old Testament prophecies that pointed to the first coming of Jesus Christ. God gave glimpses of his wisdom, but they were hidden in the prophecies of the Old Testament, but have now been revealed through the coming of Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave. And through the foolishness, the weakness of God has come the wonder of our salvation. And finally, the choice of God, verses 26 through 31. I'm doing all right on time, I I believe. I'll go ahead and read the context for us then. Usually by this point, if I'm thinking that I've went too long, I won't read the context. I'll just, I'm going to come back and read it anyways, but... Now I'm wasting time. 1 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, And the things which are despised, God has chosen, the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord." It is not one of our memory verses, but can I suggest to you that verse 30 is worth memorizing. Verse 30 is worth memorizing. We'll get to the reasons why, but I can quickly tell you that there in verse 30, Paul describes everything that Christ has become for us. Christ is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption 4 things in one verse that describe the work of Jesus Christ toward us. So I think that verse is worth memorizing and pondering, actually. And we're going to look at it here in a moment, but we've got to get to it first. So having addressed the skeptics, Paul now begins to talk to the believers in Corinth. As we learned last week, he wrote in verse 2, not only to the church in Corinth, but he said, all who in every place call upon the name of jesus christ our lord so he's talking to us today as well all who in every place call upon the name of jesus christ not just in corinth he says in verse 26 for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called And Paul asked the believers of Corinth to look around and take notice a unique characteristic of the church itself regarding those who have been called, those who have received the invitation, the salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. He said to the church in Corinth, and we could say it to the church here in Lake Villa, look around. There's not many who are wise. Sophia, remember the Greek word, talks about wisdom. This is So phos, uh, a part of that word. Not many wise. There are not many mighty. It's uh, a play on the Greek word dudamis that talks about uh, power. But not many mighty, not many noble. It is a Greek word that refers to someone who has been well-born or in a high rank or high position. Those who thought themselves to be something In the early church in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 the rulers of Israel at that time they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men and they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus even our beloved Apostles they qualified in this in fact Paul in writing this was probably one of the more learned of the apostles but in the church in general at large paul was not against the wise not against the mighty not against the noble coming to faith but he wanted the church to understand that not many wise not many mighty not many noble were believers these were the exception rather than the norm Faith had been hidden from the wise and the prudent that it might be given to the babes of this world. In Luke 10 21, when the disciples were coming back from a missionary journey, a short term missionary journey that Jesus sent his disciples on, they came back praising the Lord for all that they had seen and done. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit, saying, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. This is the standard. Not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty. It doesn't say that not any, but not many. That's the standard in the church today. It continues to this day. But God has chosen the foolish thing of the world. In verse 27 through 29, to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God has chosen the base things of the world, the things that are despised. God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, I have to believe that some of this teaching is playing off of what the church had been doing there in Corinth. They were going around thinking that they were suddenly important, saying, well, I'm of Paul. I'm of Cyphus. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Christ. They had formed these little divisions within their church. And he's saying, no, it's not about that. In fact, God has done these things, chosen those who are not the strong or the mighty, or the noble, that no flesh should glory in God's sight. Paul reverses the emphasis here. He showcases God's work among the church. God has chosen the foolish to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak to put to shame the mighty. God has chosen the base. I found this interesting. It's a Greek word that means without kin. So without family, the base, they have no family. But God has chosen the base, the despised. Uh, It means to be of no account. The nothings, it's to be not. It's actually a couple of Greek words in there. And it just made me think of these were not among the who's who of their society. They're the nothings. But in order that no one could glory about themselves in the presence of God. In Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight says the lord here we find an old testament principle being expounded upon here in the new testament as well that we're not to glory in whatever wisdom we might obtain power or might that we might have the riches that we might have we are to glory in knowing and understanding god that he exercises loving kindness judgment and righteousness And that these have been encapsulated in the man, Jesus Christ. So the glory of God, verses 30 and 31. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of, the righteousness, the sanctification, the redemption from God. Jesus Christ, the wisdom from God, a Greek word that we've already looked at, Sophia, it properly means wisdom. And the Greeks sought after wisdom, but they did not seek after Christ, who became for us wisdom from God. Harry Ironside, he actually pastored for a time Uh, Moody Bible Church in Chicago, we're talking, going way back in the late 1800s at that time, I believe, or maybe in the early 1900s. Ironside was just amazing. He actually had lost his vision by the time he finished writing his commentary to the Bible, and the way that I believe it was the book of Isaiah that he wrote his commentary, He was blind. He couldn't see. He had his aide read to him uh, Isaiah and then read three or four different commentaries that he liked. And then he would think a bit and then he would begin to speak forth what his aide would write down became Ironside's commentary. Pretty amazing that God took someone that maybe just age, you know, they couldn't correct the glaucoma or something that took place in his eyes, but he couldn't see, but yet he was still expounding the truth of God's word. He wrote concerning the wisdom of God. In him, there is no condemnation. In him, we are accepted in all his own blessed perfection. And God has made him unto us wisdom. Everything we need for our soul's deliverance is found in the knowledge of Christ. Our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption are all found in him. He is not only our wisdom, he is also righteousness from God. This word for righteousness speaks about a character or quality of being right or just. It was back a long time ago spelt right-wiseness. I like that. I know we probably shouldn't spell it that way today righteousness but right-wiseness it really expresses the meaning of this word as righteous as we might consider ourselves Isaiah 64:6 6 tells us all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags before the holy and righteous God who created us but Philippians 3:9 Paul tells us And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Not having our own righteousness, but he is our righteousness. As believers in Jesus Christ, we take on the righteousness of Christ. He is our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But he's also our sanctification, our sanctification from God. It's a word that means purity, but also to be separated for God's purposes. Even if we set ourselves apart to serve God, our works do not make us right in the sight of God. Jesus Christ has become that sanctification from God when he offered his life upon the cross for our sins. We can do good works, but if it's only good works, it doesn't sanctify us before the holy and righteous God who created us. Hebrews 10 verses 9 and 10 says, Then he or then Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he might establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Our sanctification is from God through Jesus Christ through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And once and for all, Jesus is our sanctification. He's also our redemption from God. It's a Greek word that means the ransom is paid in full. He is our redemption. It it speaks about the release that is effected by the payment of a ransom or the required price. That it's been paid in full. Our debt debt has been paid in full by Jesus Christ. The Jews believed that their redemption could be paid through the keeping of the law. That they could pay the price of it. The Greeks believed that their redemption could be paid by the wisdom that they obtained in life, that they could, through their quest for wisdom, pay the required amount. Yet only Jesus is able to pay the price required for our redemption because it didn't come through wisdom. It didn't come through the keeping of the law, but it came through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Christ has become God's redemption. In Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And again, the reason Jesus Christ has become for us the wisdom, the righteousness, the sanctification, the redemption from God is in order that no flesh would glory in his sight. But Instead, we would glory in the Lord. Let me repeat to you, Jeremiah nine twenty-three and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising lovingkindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. And may we glory in the choice of God, who sent his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, to be our wisdom, to be our righteousness, to be our sanctification, to be our redemption. So is it foolishness or is it wisdom? Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31, we have seen in the foolishness and the wisdom of God, it is through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection comes forgiveness of sin, the adoption into God's family, and one day eternal life in heaven's glory. We thank you, Lord, for your word that you have given us here in 1 Corinthians. Something, Lord, that Paul wrote To the church that was founded there in Corinth, Lord, that had been a church that had been greatly blessed, greatly blessed with the teaching of your word as Paul and Silas stayed there for a year and a half, which was very rare for the apostle to do. But also, Lord, they were blessed in every spiritual blessing. But Lord, this church strayed when they began to pay attention to the commandments of men and they stepped away from the pure teaching of your word. I pray that you would be with us, Lord, that we would not stray from the pure teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Though the world might see it as foolishness, Lord, may it be the power that you have bestowed upon us as believers that through the gospel, Lord, we are saved. And may we not be ashamed of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus in the day and age that we live in, we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847 265 0646. That's 847 265 0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.